0: Hello and welcome to this amazing voice tour of Medieval Shrewsbury. You're going to be led by the amazing Bibbs Cameron, who's going to take you from Bear Steps Gallery round to Butcher's Row. You're then going to turn around, and walk past the Prince Rupert Hotel, And you're going to stop off at Church Street, where you're going to be talking about a couple of buildings down there. And then you're going to head down towards St. Altman's Church in that far right-hand corner. You're going to enter the grounds of St. Walt Altman's, and you're going to walk around the church. Uh, And then after you've finished in there, you're going to look through the fence at Fish Street, and we're going to talk about the history of the buildings there. And then you're going to end up back at Bear Steps. I hope you enjoy this tour. It is absolutely fascinating, and we're lucky to have this on audio.
1: Welcome to the Bear Steps. The Bear Steps is in the centre of medieval Shrewsbury. It's a beautiful black and white building that was renovated in the 1970s uh, by Shrewsbury Civic Society. Before that it was um, a series of derelict cottages, and they really didn't know that underneath was this beautiful timber-framed hall. But after um, the money was raised and Sir George Trevelyan started stripping back the building, they found this beautiful building underneath. And so it was uh, renovated. Up until that time, it was going to be demolished by the council, but uh, because of the renovation, people in Shrewsbury started to appreciate the timber frame buildings. And fortunately, we have a lot that are left now, and uh, are there to be appreciated. So um, the bare steps are come up into the centre, and the two buildings were once two separate buildings but they've been joined in the centre uh, by a door which you can see on the right hand side if you're standing in front of St. Hawkman's Church. Uh, there's a little cafe here which people like to sit out at and that was part of the Shrewsbury Civic Society's building but was recently sold off. Uh, by the council and is no longer part of the Shrewsbury civic society Uh, it is in private hands the bare steps inside is uh, uh, contains a medieval hall probably built in the mid-15th century the buildings may have been part of the property of the guild of the holy cross founded in 1389 by thomas pride The Prides were one of the great woollen families of Shrewsbury. Pride Hill is undoubtedly named after him. The Bear Steps now has free access to all. It's the only medieval building that you can actually go inside free of charge in the town, and I do urge you to go inside there and have a look around. Uh, The Shropshire Council own the building, but the Shrewsbury Civic Society take care of the inside. They have many exhibitions, art shows, talks, and it is a welcoming place for the general public. Well, here we are standing in Butcher's Row. This is one of the main parts of town for social activity. And it's, you can hear the noise and people enjoying food and sitting out in the sun. But it's also a wealth of beautiful historic buildings. On your right is the Prince Rupert Hotel, which we'll talk about later. As you look on your left, there's the Abbot's House, built in about 1450. It was, it's probably the least altered of the pre-Reformation timber-framed houses. It was built as an investment for the Abbot of Lillyshaw with 15th century shop fronts, which can be seen with their divided doors and wide oak sills for displaying goods. The upper stories were used as accommodation, including the top floor for the abbot. He, in that case, would be further away from the smells and the sounds of Butcher's Row, which was a a market that brought in cattle and slaughtered them, and you can imagine how smelly and horrible it was at the time. But up there, he was able to enjoy the fresh air without too much of the nasty bits. This type of construction was likened to today's IKEA flatback system. It was built elsewhere, probably in a nearby forest. Each of the beams were numbered and if you look carefully at this building you can see the roman numerals carved in a v or a one or a one 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 and all those match together to build the frame of the house if you glance behind you at the top of fish street on the left numbers 12 and 12a these are the earliest timber frame buildings in Shrewsbury. 1358 to 1359. They caught fire early in the 2000s but have been reconstructed. The Bear Steps Hall was also damaged in that fire but is back to how it was. We've just walked along the road uh, behind you in St. Aukman's Place and we've stopped outside Clark's, the solicitors. Now, you'll wonder why, but looking at it, it, looks like a very impressive Georgian building. But underneath all that facade is a Tudor building, which was covered up. And this is the way they did things in the Georgian times. So look around, Shrewsbury; you might see other ones like this. Now we're standing at the top of Church Street. It's said to be the smallest street in Shrewsbury, and it is. It's just dominated by two inns. On the left-hand side, as you're facing it, is the Prince Rupert Hotel and on the right is the Loggerheads. Now, the Prince Rupert was named after a very famous prince, a very dashing cavalier, actually. In the 1600s, he came to Shrewsbury to stay, and um, he stayed in this manor house. This manor house was built by the Jones family, and it was rather impressive at the time. It had a frontage onto St Mary's Street with a lovely courtyard But as time went on and fortunes faded, the courtyard was built in with other homes. Thomas Jones was a draper who was part of the Jones family and the first mayor of Shrewsbury in 1638. So the history of Shrewsbury goes back a long way. Well, we all know that Shrewsbury is the most haunted town in Shropshire. In fact, maybe in the country. Shrewsbury has a reputation and Prince Rupert is at the heart of that reputation. The Prince Philip suite is said to be haunted by the spirit of a jilted bride. She's said to have hung herself in the room after her groom left her on a wedding night. The specter of a hanging woman is often seen in that room and she's also believed to be responsible for moving objects around the room. The room has since been turned into a conference suite. Room 7 is said to be where a young man killed himself after he found out that a girl he loved left him for his best friend. People have reported an unseen presence sitting down on the bed in the Prince Rupert suite. There are also the ghost of one of the hotel maids named Martha who has been witnessed wandering around the stairs next to the Prince Rupert suite. One of the most famous encounters is that of one of the directors of the movie, A Christmas Carol. He was filming in Shrewsbury and stayed at the hotel. Whilst at the hotel, after a good night, he saw a ghostly male figure which disappeared through a wall in the hall. Who was Prince Rupert? Prince Rupert was the nephew of King Charles I and the grandson of King James I. Prince Rupert came to town with a great number of noble men and they all joined together here. He stayed in the mansion, as I said, as a guest of the Jones family. And at six foot four, he was quite a figure to be seen strutting round town in his cavalier outfits. He had to leave town because of his uh, commitments as a cavalry officer and the town was then captured by Captain Bembo. Prince Rupert went on to fight in the Civil War and then later, with the restoration of the monarchy, became close with Charles I, living in Windsor Castle. He was one of the best tennis players in the country. He was also a founding member of the Royal Society, having invented various military equipment. He became an admiral in the Navy, and towards the end of his life, he became governor of Canada... Prince Rupert became a colonial governor in Canada. He shaped the political geography of modern Canada and Rupert's land was named in his honour. He was a founder member of the Hudson Bay Company. Nowadays, the Rupert Hotel welcomes guests from all over the world. On the right-hand side is the Loggerheads Inn, which has undergone even more drastic alterations. It's a stone building faced in brick and subsequently painted white. If you look at it from this angle at the top of Church Street, you see it's leaning very precariously over Church Street. This was even worse as the frontage had become detached from the rest of the building without collapsing. This was repaired, but it still has a lean to it. The signage has been in the news uh, of the loggerheads. Also, when it was taken over by a major brewer who had no knowledge of the town, they replaced the sign with a turtle, a loggerhead turtle. The townsfolk were not pleased and made their feelings known to Shrewsbury. The real Shrewsbury loggerheads, our three leopards, were replaced and the old sign taken down but it was kept on view in the pub. It's also an interesting pub to go inside. There's a gentleman's room going back to an age when women were kept at home. I always make sure I'm sitting in that room when I have my half pint. We've moved into St. Orkman's Square which is just in front of Church Street and we're standing at the back of the St. Auckman's Church and looking at a rather nice townhouse. Uh, it's two houses now, but at one time it was just the one, and it was called Barrington House. Barrington name derives from those who supported William the Conqueror, who came to England from Barantine in Normandy, a short while after the conquest of ten sixty six. William I rewarded his supporters, including the de Barentines, with various manors across England. Barrington Village was named after this family, and St. Altman's Square in Shrewsbury was called Barrington Square. The Barringtons were staunch Catholics, and the focus of Catholic life took place at Barrington House, with its own designed chapel. It was said back in the day that there was a working tunnel that eventually connected with the river from this house for the priests. We're now standing at the end of St. Alkman Square. Oh, there's a little enclave corner where the vicarage once stood. It's now a private home. But on the right hand side as you look towards St. Orkman's Passage, there's a black and white house, and this was the home of Julia Whiteman. She was the vicar of St. Orkman's wife, and as such she wanted to help those in need in Shrewsbury. She was asked by her husband to look at Butcher's Row, as it was full of public houses and drunken men, who spent their money on alcohol instead of their families causing starvation and unhealthy living conditions. Julia founded a local temperance society, they, the St. Altman's Total Temperance Society. It grew, and then she wrote a book, Haste to the Rescue. 26,000 copies were sold within the first 14 months. She then wrote Annals to the Rescue, which sold thousands of book, books in the USA. She became a leading authority in the temperance movement. The profits from her book were used to build Whiteman Hall in the square, used for abstainers to meet socially, and it still exists today. We've now walked from St. Altman's Square to the front of St. Altman's Church by way of a side path. We're now standing in front of St. Altman's Church. This was founded in. 912, by the Lady of Mercia, known as the Warrior Queen Athelfeda. St. Altman's had died in a battle in Lillishall, having been shot in the eye. She cleverly founded churches to keep the area of Mercia peaceful and compliant. This, of course, isn't the original building, which was probably a wooden structure. In the 1400s, it was rebuilt with a tower as the sole remnant of the medieval church. If you look up, you can see that tower. The authorities were alarmed by the near total collapse of old St. Chad's, so the church authorities decided to rebuild the body of the church. The work took place in 1793-95 to to the designs by Carleen and Tilly, a local firm of builders. The limited decoration and use of cast iron tracery in the nave windows may reflect that only 2,000 was available for this work. The new building, however, cost twice as much. Demolishing the church was unnecessary, and ten years later, expensive repairs to the new roof were incurred. Four windows of cast iron survive inside today. We're now inside St. Altman's Church, and you can hear somebody playing the piano, but uh, it gives ambience to this little tour and before us in front on the east window is a beautiful painting in glass by edgington it's a very fine work and one of the few examples of his work surviving in it was installed in 1795 and he was inspired by guido Reni's painting the assumption of the virgin it cost 220 pounds at the time He was 20 pounds over, but it was such a beautiful window that the church warden said, well, that's okay. While you're in St. Altman's, make sure you look at the beautiful stained glass windows on the side. Uh, They're of Thomas Jones. The man that I talked about with the Jones Mansion, and he is memorialized in these windows. Um, he was a very, very wealthy woollen merchant, and of course, was able to pay for these beautiful windows. Early in the 2000s, the church was in very bad state of repair and it was even spoken that they might knock down the body of the church and just leave the spire. But then uh, Reverend Richard Hayes came along and he funded the renovations that took part, place in the church and he did a remarkable job. It's now a beautiful church visit and I do urge you to go inside. There's also on the outside, you can see uh, the iron windows. Also, the window, the east window is an iron window. And they found out through research that it was gilded with gold. And that they've done with the east window. But the others, and you can pick them out, have a look around the church, um, have been renovated with handmade glass. And they're looking very fine at the moment. If you turn round from facing St. Hawkman's, you'll face Fish Street. Now, Fish Street is one of the oldest streets in the town. And if you look at number one Fish Street, you'll see a black plaque on the wall. This commemorates John Wellesley preaching from the house on March 16th, 1761. He said he was very tired on the day before, but he was really urged by the locals to visit Shrewsbury. And he said, I rode over over today through a miserable beast. When I came in, my head ached as well as my side. He said, I found the door of the place where I was to preach, surrounded by numerous mob. Part of them came in. Almost all that did, a large number, behaved quietly and seriously although I've heard tales that some of them threw things at him out in Fish Street, so one makes up one's own mind what really happened. Next door is the Three Fishes. The Three Fishes um, is, was built in about the 1500s and is a lovely old traditional pub It was the original smoke free public house in the whole of Shrewsbury before smoke free public houses came in. Uh, Inside, it's small but it's very comfortable and you'll get a warm welcome there. The three fishes sign is very unusual and you think, why three fishes in the Midlands? But it was the heraldry of the abbot of Lillishall who possibly owned the properties in. Fish Street, although we don't have any source evidence of that. If you move along, we come to the end of Fish Street with a little corner house called, it was called the Bear Inn. Now it's a series of three shops, but the Bear Inn ran right the way down Grope Lane and uh, was built almost at the same period in time. Uh, Grope Lane at that time was notorious for um, say the red light of district of the area because there were two markets one here and one in the square and the ladies plied their trade as is their wont, to the merchants coming into town uh, to the markets. Outside of the Bear Inn, legend says they kept a bear chained up, although I found no reliable source for this, but there is a ring in the street which is pointed out to children by some as where the bear danced, and that gets them very excited. Opposite, we go up bare steps, on the right-hand side, is the house of Tiny Tim in the 1984 film A Christmas Carol. Right, now we're back at the bare steps where we started off. But I just want to let you know how things have changed over the centuries. In the 12th century, uh, 1204 it was mentioned, there was a, a market here called the King's Market. Bustling trade, people coming in from the outside to sell their wares. You had fishmongers in Fish Street, you had butchers in butchers row and it was a very vibrant noisy place in 1270 this market moved over to the town square which had been newly paved and the council folk said that there was more room for the market people Uh, but they didn't leave it and there were also uh, traders in fish street and butchers row that stayed on Uh, even into the 13th century and 14th century, they still called this area King's Market and uh, there were still merchants plying their trade. Now if you look around now, it looks a very peaceful scene. There's a cafe on my right, uh, people enjoying themselves, there's people eating sandwiches in the uh, St. Auckland's churchyard and It's a lovely, welcoming green pocket park for people to come to. So I hope you enjoyed this tour and we'll be seeing you soon in bare steps, I hope.
0: And this concludes our audio tour of medieval Shrewsbury. I hope you've enjoyed this walkthrough time with Bibbs. Please make sure you check out originalshrewsbury.co.uk for more audio tours that have been set up around the town thank you